thread. God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Hey, welcome back to Thread, episode 99. Woo-hoo-hoo! We are moving toward the big 100. I'm really excited, and thank you for staying with us all these episodes one after another and we're reaching a milestone in the thread podcast so i'm excited about that next week i'm going to do a special episode of the thread and just talk to you from my heart about some things uh something else i want to talk to you about this time though that i'm equally excited about is that after many many years of working and planning on this book sherry and i have finally been able to finish our parenting book. It's called Simple Parenting, and you can uh, find the page for it on Facebook, or you can also go to Quinley.com, and on Quinley.com you'll see a a section there called Simple Parenting, and it's coming out in June, and the reason I'm mentioning it right now is that we need reviewers, so if you are interested in serving as a reviewer, uh, we're looking for you. So give us, a, give us a chance to enroll you as a reviewer, and we'll do that. All you have to do is go uh, either to Quinley.com, Simple Parenting, or to the Facebook Simple Parenting page and sign up to be on the e-letter list because that email list is how we're going to send you your advanced copy of the book. We'll want you to review this and then get it online uh, with a review on Amazon when we go live there. All right, super. So thanks a lot. Um, today's lesson, we're coming from Acts chapter 13. We're going to be in verse 14 to the end. And so if you've got a Bible, reach over and grab it. Uh, if you have any interest at all in your life being a, a mission, you know, if you want to be part of evangelistic outreaches, if you want to be part of church planting or having a small group or even just gathering a circle of friends who are willing to talk about spiritual things, you know, if any of that interests you, then you need to stay in the book of Acts because this book is gold. It's the playbook where the New Testament church led a kingdom movement into a world of darkness. And everywhere they went, there were no Christians there. And it's just the story of the, of the lessons they learned as they move forward. And, you know, it's, it's an exciting book to read because, you know, Jesus said, when you go into the harvest, he said, I will be with you. And uh, in the book of uh, Mark, it says God will confirm his word with signs and wonders and miracles. So things happen when we start outreaching and we start looking for people who don't know Christ to share our faith with them in an, in an intentional way, you know, God shows up, and it's, it's exciting. So this book is a quick read, and it's, in, it's interesting to read. Now, we're in chapter 13, and as we left off, uh, something very uh, important and, I think, beautiful happened. Because there is a brother named Barnabas, and Barnabas is the elder one in this group. He's in charge of this outreach. It is Barnabas that went after Paul when he had heard that he was a Christian now. And it was Barnabas that brought him to the elders in Jerusalem and forced them to get to know him and to listen to his testimony. And now in in the city of Antioch, 
It is Barnabas that went after Paul to bring him in to become one of the elders of the church and to help them with teaching and pastoral care of these people. And now the Holy Spirit has spoken to the church in Antioch and said, I want Barnabas and I want Paul and I want them to go on a mission for me. So they've gone off and as they went, they grabbed a young man named John Mark and John Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark. And John Mark may be the young man that went away when the soldiers, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the soldiers grabbed a young man and he wrestled himself out of his clothes and ran home uh, naked. And that may well have been John Mark. That's what tradition says. But um, the Barnabas and Paul see a lot of anointing in Mark. They see the future of the next generation, that Mark can have a big role in it in the kingdom. And so they've taken him with them on this missions trip. And I don't know what did it, but something freaked him out. He got homesick. Uh, I don't know what all that. You know, they were getting in a lot of conflicts with powerful people. And something just unnerved Mark, and he ran for home. And he left them uh, on, the sh- on the shore because he could get a boat straight back home to Jerusalem and get back home to the world that he was more comfortable in. And a discussion about Mark will come up later over that. But the beautiful thing is that Barnabas, seeing the kind of work, this mission, because, you know, the church had never done anything like this. No one had done anything to intentionally move into uncharted areas with the gospel and try to take the gospel message for the first time. You know, that was a new undertaking. Now, Jesus commanded the apostles in the church in Jerusalem to do that, and largely they hadn't done that. They preached the gospel in Jerusalem. They preached the gospel to the Jews. But this whole idea of going to the whole world, that had not yet happened. And so God reached down and used Barnabas and Paul. But the part I wanted to get to was Barnabas, being the leader, sees that Paul is better suited to be the leader in this circumstance and turns over the leadership to Paul. I mean, my friend, that almost never, ever happens. It doesn't happen in business. doesn't happen in the ministry. People, once they get in their roles, they feel secure in their roles, and they're scared to ever do anything uh, about that. So Barnabas is a secure man, and he's a man of God, and he turns it over to Paul. So from then on, it's, it mentions in chapter 13, Uh, Paul and his party, so it's Paul's party from this point on, and Paul and everybody, including Barnabas, becomes the party with Paul, and they begin to do their ministry. Uh, They start looking for opportunities, and in verse 14, they go to the place that they know they will be accepted, which is the Jewish synagogue. They are themselves Jews. Uh, Synagogue is an open invitation. Paul is a rabbi. And Barnabas is also a teaching elder, and so there will be an opportunity for them if they will go to the Jewish synagogue. So they go there, they find people who love God, they find people who are Jewish, they find people who are Gentiles who have become Jewish and have cut themselves off from their Gentile world, and they wear Jewish clothes, and they've been circumcised, and they follow the Jewish law, and they are Jews, and he he finds also a third set which are Gentile, we tend to call them God-fearers. They are not yet willing to culturally cut themselves off 
from all their friends and family, but they do love God and they believe that the Jews are right in their understanding about God and they believe the Old Testament is a true revelation of God. And so, you know, Paul and Barnabas find this secret place that was easy to find that people that are already predisposed to think about God and to know the history of the God of the Bible. And um, so Paul goes there not just to fellowship but he goes there looking for an opportunity. And that's the first thing we should look for here, is that those who evangelize and those who have fruit do that because they actively seek for opportunities. They're looking for openings. And so Paul gets one. They go to church, and after the scriptures are read, uh, the leaders of the synagogue turn and say, Brothers, if you have any kind of exhortation for the people, you're welcome to speak. And so Barnabas stays seated. And lets Paul stand up. And Paul stood, motions with his hand, and he draws this crowd to him. And you can read carefully the words that Paul goes through there. But I just want to bounce through it as a an example. We're always looking for patterns because the Thread Podcast is a Bible study, verse by verse, for leaders. So that we can find principles to follow in God's word as leaders. And so this is a this is about communication and especially about communicating the gospel. Paul has been looking for his opportunity to engage these people and now he has it. So he steps up and the first step is bonding. Don't ever forget that. Bonding is the first principle in ministry. And so Paul, he can't just launch into the gospel. He has to connect to these people. And, you know, sometimes I see people, they forget that step because they, you know, the thing they want to share is so important to them and they just blow right into it. And there's people here. You have to engage them. Bonding is the first principle in ministry. And if you will get people connected to you on an emotional level, if you'll find some commonality between the two of you, uh, that's your first step. Paul understands that, and he talks about, you know, we're all Jews, we all have the same family history, we all have the uh, same, uh, we all have the same uh, national history, and we're together on this, and he starts walking them back through the foundation of the nation of Israel, and he's bringing them to the part where God sets up prophets, And then God set up a king, and the first king was Saul. But then the king that is the the, the, uh, model of kingship is David. And in verse 22, he talks about David's teachability. That David, you know, David's the only man in the Bible that enjoys the designation of being a man after God's own heart. And that's not to say that nobody else was. But, you know, that's a phrase that was applied to David. He is constantly making mistakes. You know, just about every time you read of David doing something, he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. But David is teachable. He's correctable. He, he listens to others. He listens, importantly, to the prophets. And he listens to God. And if he's made a mistake, he acknowledges that that's what he's done. And so that's why... As God looks down on David, he says, from David's line, I'm going to give a prophecy now, not just 
for David, but to David about the future. And the prophecy is, through your line, a Savior will be born for the world. Now, Paul is very careful to point out that David can't be that Savior, that David died. And uh, the prophecy about the Messiah says the grave can't hold him, it can't make his body rot, and he said David's bones are rotted on the hill. That is not a prophecy about David. It's about the Messiah that comes through David. And then he gets to the heart of the gospel. God has fulfilled this prophecy, and Christ Jesus has come. And he goes straight at the message of the gospel, and he presents it with confidence, and he presents it with power. And this is another lesson that I really hope that you get. That you get. Uh, I'm in the States right now, and I'm roaming around, and it's not uncommon to have this kind of new, whiny, man-pleasing spirit on the stage, you know, read your Bibles, Dave, if you don't mind, you know, and let's let's worship God, you know, if that's cool with you, and it's just, like, be bold, I mean, people want leadership, and if you don't believe the gospel, you shouldn't be preaching the gospel, but if you do believe it, you need to preach it with boldness, and so Paul, when it, you know, he, he works on the relationship with the crowd, and showing that the things he's talking about are scriptural, uh, but when he gets to the part of the gospel, he does not hold back. He does not ask them if it's okay to say these things. He just says it because it is true. And what these people need is the truth. And he just gives them the truth. And he goes on to nail down the truth. He says, and John testified about this man, Jesus, being the Savior of the world. Now, they knew of John. And they respected John's spiritual authority. So he's turned and he's pointed to the authority of Scripture. He's pointed to the authority of John. Uh, and then he goes on to tell the story. Well, you might not know what's happened, but our corrupt, spiritually blind rulers in Jerusalem, verse 28, have murdered God's anointed one. But, verse 29 and 30, God has raised him up. You now he goes into the story again about the resurrection. The resurrection is the heart of the gospel. The cross is the beginning of the message, but it's not the end of it. And if we're not careful, we just preach the cross and we stop with Jesus dead and he died for us. That's important. I mean, the cross is the basis of our salvation. But a lot of people have died for other people. What makes the cross unique is that it's the beginning of the resurrection. God himself acknowledged Jesus and raised him from the dead. It is the resurrection of Jesus and the conquering of death and that he is Lord of all, not just uh, you know the warm emotional story of someone willing to die for you, but of the Lord who is mighty, who has established, we're back to the central teaching of the Bible, the kingdom of God. You know, the king has come, the king has been murdered, and the king has been resurrected from the dead, and the king is at work right now extending his kingdom, and then the king will return again and set up an earthly, physical kingdom. Uh, and, you know, the gospel has power. And Paul says in another place, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes? Uh, you know, now there's many different theories of salvation, even given in the Bible. 
We're told that we've been ransomed. You know, there's lots of different ways we've been adopted. Uh, and basically, when you're preaching the gospel in a certain context, you need to find the, the understanding of the gospel because the gospel is it's like a jewel. It's got lots of facets. And you could talk about many things. I have a friend, Ebby George, who pastors in India, and he said they never really thought about the, the uh, ascension of Jesus, the way he rose in a body, rose with angels around him up into the heavenlies to come again. And he said, we, you know, it's part of the gospel story, and it's just kind of the end of it. But he said, when we preach the ascension to Hindus, it really affects them. So they preach the ascension more and more. You know, they emphasize that and talk about it a little bit longer. So find whatever connects with your culture and use that. So, you know, Paul has said, this is in the Bible. He said, this is the prophecy that was spoken to David. This lines up because Jesus came from David's line. And John testifies. And then he says, and we are witnesses. And we have heard from witnesses who were there and who were present. Verse 31 and 32. Um, he goes back over the scriptural basis. Verses 33 through 41. You know, these people have a right fear of false doctrine and of cults. And your teaching should line up with the Bible. There's a lot of crazy, uh, super grace teaching now and no hell, and you know, just kind of like editing out anything in the Bible that you'd like to get rid of, and making books about it. Well, we we are bound to obey the Scriptures. Our doctrine has to match it, and Paul recognizes that. He owes these people the scriptural work to say this is not a cult, and this is not an off-base teaching, and I'm not doing something that God will be displeased with. This is the fulfillment. We are God's messengers, and we've come to bring you truth. This is something new, but it's something prophesied. And uh, as we move toward the end of this exchange, we see something that will change the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, and that is the hunger that is in the hearts of the Gentile people. In verse 42, when they get to the end of sharing uh, Gentiles, Jews, and God-fearers rush to them and say, oh, we want to hear more about this next week. And they're really excited about it. And Paul and Barnabas, you know, they encourage them, and then they get ready. And they know that next week this place is going to be packed. And sure enough, it is. And there's people that have come that never come, and they're, you know, they're earnestly seeking the truth. And it makes the established conservative group uh, that was running that synagogue, it makes them jealous. Scripture often points to jealousy and envy, verse uh, 45. It says, When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. And Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It is necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and you judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. And that is biblical too. And he quotes a scripture. I've set you to be a light to the Gentiles and that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Verse 48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed 
And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout the region. Uh, as always, conflict arises and eventually Paul and Barnabas leave to spare the young group. And But they leave behind. Look at the last verse. Uh, last two verses says, They shook the dust off their feet against those people, uh, the old traditionalists, and they came to a new city, Iconium. But the disciples in this town were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Uh, a Gentile church, I'm sure it had some uh, Jewish proselytes and even some Jews that were in the fellowship that got established there at Antioch in Antioch, Pisidia, a new town. Um, the, the beautiful thing here is that Paul left behind in Barnabas an organic circle of Gentile disciples. These people are filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will train them what to do for their mission. The Holy Spirit will show them what to do. The Holy Spirit will draw uh, mature believers from Jerusalem and Syria to come over and visit them and teach them. And Paul trusted the Holy Spirit. I'm always amazed how quickly he will leave an area and leave a group, but he didn't feel that he owned it or that they necessarily needed him. They needed to know Jesus. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, just like God led him, God would lead them. And off he went. You know, A week later, two weeks later, Paul would be gone, and these groups did just fine. So um, I just think there's a lot in there for us. Uh, that's the end of what we're going to be able to cover today. But I just want to ask you to do me a favor. If you'll go to uh, quinley.com slash love and give us some love this week. If you'll just click that, it'll give you a pre-populated tweet that'll go out to your Twitter feed group and it will allow you to speak to your, uh, to your guys and let them know that you're enjoying the Thread Podcast and ask them to turn in also. All right. We'll see you next time on Thread.